Fads come and go, and nowhere more than in the world of weight loss. That's why Noom's weight management programs are made to last. Noom uses science and personalization to help you manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. Welcome, everyone, to Long Ball Legacies. My name's Daniel Port. Thank you for joining me here on the Pitcherlist Podcast Network, where we dive in every single week to the players and the stories that help tell the legends and mythology of the game of baseball and how it has been shaped and changed over the years. I am so glad you're here to join me today. If you remember last week, we talked about Kenley Jansen as he approaches a big milestone in his career, trying to get to 400 saves in his career. And I thought, since we talked about him, maybe we visit the actual, the GOAT reliever, the best of all time. And that's Mariano Rivera. As an angsty teenager growing up in the late 90s, early 2000s, I admittedly spent a lot of time doing two things, playing Dungeons and Dragons and listening to Metallica, usually at the same time. Enter Sandman was the uh, highlight of their Black album and probably their most recognizable work from uh, that time period. And as a nerdy kid dreaming of fighting nightmares and monsters and and actually probably at times the actual Sandman, it, it served as the perfect backdrop for my friends and I's fantasy shenanigans. But as a passionate baseball fan during that time period, when your team played the New York Yankees, Enter Sandman meant something entirely different. Namely, it meant that the game was over. That if you were losing, it meant surrender all hope, ye who enter to the top of the ninth. That was because Enter Sandman meant Mariano Rivera was coming to the mound, and he was as automatic as they come. He was so good, it almost made you wonder if it was worth just not even bothering at the ninth. Just end the game at the top of the eighth, and if you didn't take the lead by then, too bad, so sad. And to say Rivera was the greatest closer of all time doesn't quite do justice to how good he was, how consistent he was, how dominant he was. He was the living embodiment of the Yankee way, and for once, I'm not saying that sarcastically. If nothing else, Mariano Rivera can claim to throw the single most unhittable pitch of all time. In uh, the Athletics' Scott Posnanski's write-up on Rivera for his Baseball Top 100, he says what we call a cut fastball, that's what it's technically classified as, isn't really simply a cutter. It's, it's something else, this kind of unicorn pitch created to torment hitters with a name like the baseball equivalent of uh, Clint Eastwood's man with no name character. Rivera himself said, I learned the pitch, he said, from God. <laughs> There's no greater classification for a pitch, if that's what you believe in. It was pretty much Rivera's only pitch. That was pretty much all he threw. And it was an incredible one. Former Kansas City Royals first baseman Mike Sweeney was once quoted as saying, What's coming? What's coming in horror movies, too? And name any other pitch that hitters described like the inevitable villain in a, a stalker horror film like it's Mike Myers or Jason Voorhees. Uh, that's how feared 
Mario Rivera's cutter was. It, it was that good. And we've waxed poetically and philosophically of many a pitch over the years. In fact, we've done so on this podcast. But never have we talked about a pitch like that. Th- that's how intimidating and how inevitable, to go all Thanos on it, that this pitch was. There was death, there was taxes, and Mario Rivera de- dominating everyone with his unhittable cutter. There just really hasn't been a closer like him. And honestly, I don't think there really ever will be. He's genuinely uh, one-in-a-kind, potentially even once-in-a-lifetime kind of player. Now, beyond rhetoric and legend, though, the numbers tell a tale just as incredible. We'll start with the obvious ones. He's 952 games finished and 652 saves are all-time records, while he also holds the all-time ERA plus record amongst all. All pitchers, for the record, not just relievers, with a ridiculous score of 205. For the record, that means that his ERA was essentially two was 105% better than the average pitcher over his career. Now, he threw the over 1,283.2 innings pitched. He has 51 saves more than the second place holder, Trevor Hoffman. He put up a career ERA 0.81 points lower than Hoffman. And he threw 151 more innings. The only relievers with a lower ERA than Rivera's 2.06 career mark are Emmanuel Classe, Devin Williams, and Zach Britton, all of whom have thrown less than 400 innings pitched in their career and have thrown half of Rivera, uh, Rivera's innings combined. His 1,133 strikeouts is ninth all time. Now, think about this for a second. Not only did Rivera save 652 games, he blew just 80 saves opportunities over his career. That's an 89% save rate over his career. In a 19-year career. <laughs> That's absolutely wild. Uh, he's, basically, if you think about that, he successfully saved 9 out of every 10 opportunities over a 19-year period. Heck, he saved 42 games in the playoffs alone while blowing just 4 of those games. That's outrageous. That's nuts. His uh, 38.6 F war is 10 war more than the next best reliever in Goose Gossage. His career 0.97 whip is ninth all time. Across his 19 seasons all with the Yankees, he saved over 40 games nine times. He saved over 30 games 15 times. He had an ERA under 250, 16 of 19 seasons, and a whip under 1 10 times. He was a 13-time All-Star while pitching in five World Series, including winning the World Series MVP once and the ALCS MVP as well. It's just an epic level of domination over a 19-year period. It defines the closer position and serves the inspiration for every closer who came after him. It's genuinely impossible to tell the story of the Yankees and, more importantly, of baseball without talking about Mariona Rivera. And it's a fascinating story with inspiring moments, tall tales, what-ifs, and twists and turns. Uh, I'm really excited to tell it. it. It's just a cool story. And before we jump into that, though, let's actually real quick take our first break here. And then we'll come back and dive into the history and legend of Mariana Rivera. When it comes to weight management, we tend to put our focus on what we eat. But Noom's approach puts the focus on why we eat. And that's a game changer. Noom uses science and personalization so you can manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. And they help you understand the science behind your eating choices 
and why you have those cravings. Noom's personalized courses are easy to follow and will help grow your confidence with tools you can put into practice on day one. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. And based on a sample of 4,272 Noomers, 98% say Noom helps change their habits and behaviors for good. Try Noom today and see the results for yourself. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. Welcome back. Marion Rivera was born in Panama in 1969. He was the son of a fisherman named Mariano Rivera Palacios, uh, and his mother was named Delia Giron, and he spent much of his childhood learning his father's trade and working in that trade. Growing up without much money, Rivera played soccer and baseball, where they mostly used cardboard for gloves and tree branches or uh, or broomsticks for bats, and they actually hit tennis balls instead of baseballs. Basically, they played baseball with whatever they could get uh, their hands on to try and, you know, create some facsimile of the game. And obviously, I feel like we shouldn't have to go through that. It shouldn't be that hard for kids to play baseball. We should be doing more as a society and as a sport to help you know, make that more accessible. You just think of these kids playing, loving the game so much that they play with whatever they could get their hands on is just, it's fascinating to me. And you don't want to over-romanticize it because obviously, uh, again, we should be doing something about it and doing more. And I think we have and try to, but it just also, I don't know, it just kind of, it, it's a nice piece of the mythology and the story here. Now, this was a recording, by the way, to a 2006 article in USA Today by Mel Antonin. And Rivera wouldn't receive his first actual like leather glove until he was a teenager. And then he dropped out of school to become a commercial fisherman with his father full-time by the age of 16. I think sometimes we look at players like, to make a com- comparison, like a Bryce Harper, who was basically raised in the game of baseball to play baseball. And that was like the sole idea. From a very young age, it's such a different and contrasting story to see someone like Rivera, who most of the time never imagined baseball as a full-time career and really never thought to be anything probably more than a fisherman. I guess actually the story goes he wanted to really be a, a car mechanic, like an auto mechanic, um, and was also training to do that as well. He stuck with baseball, though, mostly as a hobby, it seems. And at the age of 18, he joined a local amateur team called Panama Oese Vaqueros, which I'm hoping I'm saying right, mainly as a, an infielder slash utility player, kind of played all over the diamond, including catcher. And according to the author Ben Teitelbaum in 2017 in an article for the Daily Beast, Rivera got his first attempt ever to pitch when one of the team's main starters faltered very badly in the playoffs and was getting just lit up. And his manager at the time looks at Rivera and says, get out there. And Rivera had never pitched before. They just wanted him, I think, to soak up the damage or take up some innings. And so Rivera steps out there with little to no pitching experience and throws seven shutout innings in the game, which is just incredible, right? Guy had never stepped on a mound before in his life and immediately shuts down the opponents. It's just crazy. It's just cool. I love it. Now, in response to this, of course, being blown away by this, two of Rivera's teammates arrange a tryout with a local Yankee scout. And... 
even though Rivera throws just nine pitches in that audition, it gets a follow-up audition as well, and then a week later, he was signed by the Yankees. Now, at this point, he's a nobody. No one knows who Rivera is. In fact, many of the people in the Yankees organization <laughs> didn't necessarily know who Rivera was yet. But So Rivera comes over to America, and at the time, he apparently spoke no English. He had never been outside of Panama before. And he comes to the U.S. to play and starts with the Yankees rookie league team, the Gulf Coast League Yankees, where at the age of 20, he excels. He pitches in 22 games across 52 innings pitched, uh, giving up just one earned run over those 52 innings with 58 strikeouts, which is good for a 5-1 record with a 0.17 ERA. Again, 0.17. That is not a mistake with a 0.462 whip. Wow. Basically, he was only allowing a base runner every other inning he pitched in. That's how good that was. Now, while mostly appearing in relief, he actually started the final game of the year. They wanted to kick in this one clause in his contract, so they got, they let him start to get up over a certain innings pitch limit, and he's incredible. He throws seven shutout innings, and this immediately launches... Rivera up the Yankees' radar in terms of prospects. In 1993, he's continuing to rise up the ladder, but he ends up suffering from a frayed UCL. Now, originally it had been always reported and recorded that he had Tommy John surgery. It turns out, if you go back, and many historians have looked at this through baseball, and it actually turns out he did not have Tommy John surgery. He ended up just having a, a, a different sort of surgery on that ligament, that didn't have quite the recovery time and the uh, impact that Tommy John does. Now, upon his recovery, he continues to excel throughout the minors, uh, just crushing it as a starter. He reaches double A in 1994 at the age of 24, and now at this point, he is a starter, right? He absolutely flourishes at double A, throwing 63.1 innings across nine starts with a 2.27 ERA and a 1.042 whip with 39 strikeouts, and this earns him a promotion to AAA. And while he struggles in the end of 94 at AAA, he had a 6.39 ERA in six starts there. It was clear that the Yankees were high in Rivera and that he was knocking on the door to the majors. Now, at this point, Rivera had started to catch natural national attention as a prospect. Heading into the 1995 season, Baseball America ranked Rivera as the number nine prospect in the system citing that he had the best control in the Yankees system. And they had concerns about his curveball, that it was a fairly mediocre pitch. And they had concerns about his ability to command his pitches, especially at the time. It's worth noting, while we think of pitching nowadays in a more north-south manner, this they were concerned that he wouldn't be able to locate pitches east to west to draw poor contact, which is much more in line with how pitching was done at that time period. Now... He starts off the 1995 season back at AAA, but doesn't spend very long down there as he's called up to make his major league debut on May 23rd. It wasn't the most promising of debuts as he gets lit up over 3.1 innings, giving up eight hits and five earned runs. And again, it's worth noting, really, at this point, Rivera, even though he's starting, has just one pitch. And that can make it really tough on a starter. We know that. Now, he has a much more successful second start, throwing 5.1 innings, giving up just one earned run with seven hits and a strikeout. And this would be his best start of like his first stint up in the majors, as he would give up 11 earned runs over his next 6.1 innings across two starts with just three strikeouts. 
So this earns him a trip back down to AAA in June, as it seemed that Rivera, according to him, had been pitching through shoulder soreness. And so they didn't want his mechanics to get too out of whack. They didn't want all you know him to develop bad habits. So they sent him back down to AAA to work through that, get healthy, and get back on track. He comes up throwing harder than ever and gets a date facing Frank Thomas in the, affordable, or the formidable sorry, White Sox lineup where he looks fantastic, throwing eight innings with 11 strikeouts while holding the Sox scoreless. Now, it wasn't perfect as he did walk four hitters, but he scattered just two hits and things once again were looking promising for Rivera as a starter. Now, there were still some concerns, though. As I mentioned, Rivera still really didn't have a second pitch beyond his fastball, and also worth noting, he hadn't really discovered his legendary cutter yet, so he was still throwing like a four-seamer or sinker at this time, He so he hadn't even started throwing his best pitch yet. Now, he makes five more starts of eh, varying quality before another brief demotion down to AAA in August. Now, when he returns in September, what the Yankees really needed was relievers, and so he's moved to the Yankees' bullpen for the remainder of the season. Now, overall, he finishes the year having thrown 67 innings pitched with a 5-3 and record and a 5.51 ERA and a 1.507 whip to go along with 51 strikeouts. Now, I admit, it doesn't exactly scream greatest closer whoever lived material, but uh, little do we know then that, based on obviously what we know now, that the move to the bullpen would be a career-changing move for Rivera. The Yankees end up actually making the playoffs that season, and Rivera had so impressed the Yankees out of the pen that he pitched in three games in the ALDS against the Seattle Mariners. Now, while the Yankees would lose that series, Rivera was absolutely electric across 5.1 innings pitched, giving up no runs and striking out eight hitters. It was like a switch had been flipped in Rivera, and it really all started to click into place for him. And to make that leap in the playoffs is, frankly, not a common route players usually take to making their breakout. But as we're seeing, nothing about Rivera was typical. And really, from here on out, the the rest is history, right? He starts the 1996 season in the bullpen for the Yankees, throwing 107.2 innings across 61 appearances. Again, listen to that. 107.2 innings across 61 appearances as the Yankees setup man. So he was often called upon to throw multiple innings per outing, and he is dynamite, striking out 130 hitters to go along with a 2.09 ERA and a .99 whip. He gets just five saves as he is not the closer yet, but he's good enough that he finishes third in Cy Young voting that year and 12th in MVP voting as a reliever. He wasn't even the closer yet. It's important to note, he was the setup guy, and he finished third in Cy Young voting. He technically finished ahead of the closer for the Yankees in Cy Young voting. It's just crazy to me. Pat Henschen of Toronto correctly won the award after leading the league in war at 8.6 war, and Andy Pettit finished in second in front of him, but to do that well in the Cy Young voting, considering his role, was pretty darn impressive for Rivera. It's really something else. And now, in fact, to go along with his 8-3 and record that season, Rivera was worth 5 war, which is impressive considering his role, uh, as I mentioned before. And I believe it's still actually the highest single-season war mark for a full-time reliever ever. That's how good Rivera was that year. In fact, to throw a quote out there, Rivera was so good that Twins manager Tom Kelly said, he needs to pitch in a higher league if there is one. Ban him from baseball. He should be illegal. And, and obviously that said tongue-in-cheek, but that's a testament to how good Rivera was already. And again, 
he doesn't even have his best pitch yet. <laughs> That's how well he's doing. Now, a highlight of the season was a 26-inning scoreless streak between April 19th and May 21st. In fact, that streak included a run of 15 consecutive hitless outings, and maybe the most remarkable part of this historic season is that despite throwing over 100 innings, he gave up just one home run. Just one! Across over 100 innings. That's unbelievable. It's genuinely remarkable. The Yankees make the playoffs, and Rivera throws 4.2 scoreless innings in the ALDS against Texas, and another four unblemished innings in the ALCS series victory against Baltimore. In his first World Series against Atlanta, Rivera gets his first World Series save and throws 5.2 innings, giving up just one earned run, helping the Yankees win their first World Series since 1978. And this is, again, in just his second year in the league. In the offseason, the Yankees name Rivera as the closer, which is a position he would maintain for the next 17 years. Just let that sink in for a second. There could have been kiddos born that year who would graduate high school before the Yankees would have a closer not named Mariano Rivera. High school. Entire childhoods. And this is also the offseason where Rivera would discover his signature cut fastball, which, as Rivera tells the story, mostly happened by accident, which is wild. The story goes that he was playing catch with his friend Ramiro Mendoza, in the outfield when he simply tried a new grip and out popped this brand new pitch that they basically looked at each other like, now we have to try that in a game because it just looked unhittable. And the rest is history. Think about that. Mariano Rivera's cutter has a claim for the title of the most dominant pitch ever. And it was mostly discovered goofing around while playing catch. Like, you, you couldn't write that, right? That could only happen in real life. If you wrote that as a part of a story in like a movie we'd be like I don't buy that it's just such a, a weird and wonderful twist in his story is that he mostly just stumbled into his best pitch and then turned into the best pitch ever now the Yankees bet big on Rivera that year making him the closer and he comes through throwing 71.2 innings with 43 saves 68 strikeouts a 1.88 ERA and a 1.19 whip he did blow nine saves that season as well, but three of those blown saves came in his first six save attempts, which you can kind of probably chalk up to his first time getting used to the new role as a closer. Also, you'll see over the years, Rivera's kind of a slow starter in general, so not that shocking, but uh, it is worth noting. Now, he's named his first All-Star game and collects the save in that game, and the Yankees would once again make the playoffs, and Rivera runs into what would be a rare playoff hiccup for the young closer in the ALDS against Cleveland, as he would give up a walk-off home run to Sandy Alomar Jr. in Game 4 uh, of the series, and then the Yankees would eventually lose the series in six games. Now, in case you thought 1997 might have been a fluke, or that like the way the previous season ended might have affected Rivera, you were wrong. While he did miss the first two weeks of the season with a groin strain, he's absolutely fantastic, saving 36 games across 61.1 innings pitched with 36 strikeouts, which was weird because, you know, that's a big drop in his strikeouts, but it didn't really show up in the other numbers as he puts up a 1.91 ERA with a 1.06 whip. He only blew five saves that season and gave up just three home runs. In the playoffs, and for the record, we'll do this a lot because the Yankees make the playoffs a lot over Rivera's career, he saves 
two games in the ALDS against Texas to go along with 3.1 scoreless innings. And in the ALCS against Cleveland, he finds redemption for the previous season, throwing 5.2 innings in the Yankees' win to go along with another save. It's in the World Series, though, that Rivera truly shines, throwing another 4.1 scoreless innings pitched with three saves. Overall, he is thrown in this playoffs 14 scoreless innings all across his second World Series run with the Yankees while racking up six saves, which is just an absolutely incredible postseason. Just fantastic. Now, that level of success will carry over into the 1999 season, where Rivera would lead the league in saves with 45, while throwing 69 innings pitched to go along with 52 strikeouts at a 1.83 ERA and a .88 whip. He gave up just two home runs on the season while blowing just four saves. He goes to his second All-Star game, and for the second time in his career, he finishes third in the Cy Young voting and garners MVP votes. He's also awarded for the first time one of my favorite awards ever, which is the Rollades Relief Man of the Year Award, which is just simply the best branding of anything I've ever seen in baseball, honestly. If you were a 90s kid like me, you knew the jingle, which is how do you spell relief, and the twist was R-O-L-A-I-D-S. We spell Rollades. And so this is just like the best branding ever is to have these two things linked together. I just, I love it. It's too good. I miss it. We need it back in our lives. If you're listening, Rollades, get back on it. Now, once again, the Yanks make the playoffs and Rivera somehow takes his playoff performance to a whole nother level. He saves two games in the ALDS against Texas across three scoreless innings and follows that up by picking up a win and another two saves in the ALCS against Boston. Now, he repeats that performance in the World Series of 4.2 scoreless innings with another win and two saves as the Yankees win back-to-back World Series, beating the Braves for the second time. In fact, Rivera is so good, he wins the World Series MVP this year, again, as a reliever. Now, at this point, between 1998 and 1999, he has now thrown over 26 consecutive scoreless playoff innings while compiling an incredible 12 saves. We move over into the new millennium. We survive Y2K, and nothing has changed for Rivera in 2000. And by nothing changed, I do mean he was awesome. He saves 36 games in 75.2 innings pitched with 58 strikeouts and a 2.85 ERA with a 1.10 whip. He's named to the All-Star Game for the second year in a row and the fourth time in his career. And for the fifth year in a row, the Yankees make the playoffs. Once again, Rivera's quite good. In the ALDS against Oakland, he throws five scoreless innings with three saves. And in the ALCS, he finally gives up a run against Seattle, throwing 4.2 innings with one run given up and saving another game. Now, for the record, his 31 consecutive postseason scoreless inning streak has never been matched by any pitcher ever. It's still a record to this day. It's incredible. Rivera is solid in the series against the Mets, saving two games while blowing one as the Yankees once again emerge victorious in the World Series. Now, during these playoffs as well, Rivera sets a playoff record for postseason saves with 17, but in that department, he's just getting warmed up. Now, we go into 2001, and Rivera picks up right where he left off by leading the league in saves with a Yankee record 50 saves while throwing 80.2 innings with 83 strikeouts, a 2.34 ERA, and a .905 whip. He goes to his third consecutive All-Star game and for the fourth time in his career receives MVP votes while winning his second Rollades Reliever of the Year award. Over his career, he'll win four of these, by the way. 
In addition, the Yankees get out ahead of his first free agency, so to say, by signing him to a four-year, $39 million contract extension. And in the playoffs, once again, Rivera looks practically untouchable. In the ALDS against Oakland, he throws five innings with two saves and an unearned run. In the ALCS against Seattle, he gives up one run over 4.2 innings pitch while picking up a win and two saves as now the Yankees go to their fourth straight World Series. Now, this World Series is pretty infamous. So we all, most of us probably remember this one. For the most part, Rivera is great against the Diamondbacks in the 2001 World Series as he throws 6.1 innings in the series, giving up just one earned run while picking up a win and saving a game. Unfortunately, that one run is the key part. This was the fated Game 7 against the Diamondbacks, where Rivera would give up a bloop single to Luis Gonzalez with the game on the line as he blew the save, and the Diamondbacks would win the World Series on that walk-off hit. It's still, to this day, I've talked about before in this podcast, one of the coolest moments I've ever seen like live. I was watching it on TV, but like in the moment, as a baseball fan. It was incredible. I remember... It's funny, I think, when you're not a, a Yankees fan. In the moment, you are either a Yankees fan or you hate the Yankees. And so I, I obviously was uh, the latter. And so I was rooting for the Diamondbacks pretty hard. And just to see that moment was crazy, even though looking back on it, it probably meant I also didn't quite appreciate Rivera's greatness at the time. Now, it's worth noting that before this blown save, Rivera had set a major league record by saving 23 consecutive postseason games. And this was the first, and by the way, only postseason loss of Rivera's career. You have to wonder, it's just, oh man, it's just so good. And it's such sustained success. I, I know you can make the argument that it's all like an inning or two at a time. It's a different beast. But to maintain that level of excellence, to just be like, come in cold and never make a mistake for that long is just incredible. You have to wonder at this point if... Making deep playoff run after deep playoff run was beginning to take its toll on Rivera, as it would pretty much anyone, as several injuries hampered Rivera throughout the 2002 season, including three separate injured list stints, and he was still good, he was just not Mario Rivera good, as he compiled a 2.74 ERA with 28 saves across 46 innings pitched and 41 strikeouts with a one whip. The Yankees make the playoffs, but again, you just have to wonder if they were just worn down at the four consecutive World Series runs. There's a reason why teams very rarely make four consecutive World Series like they did, because you just injuries pile up, you get worn down, you're playing, at that point, probably double the games of the rest of the league. It's just, it's a lot of games and a lot of miles put on their bodies, and you see it in Rivera's performance and the Yankees a little bit as well as they are bounced in the ALDS by the Angels. Now, Rivera only makes one appearance in the series with a scoreless appearance and one save. Now, 2003, though, would see the Yankees and Rivera make a return to form as he saves 40 games across 70.2 innings pitched with 63 strikeouts to go along with a career best at this point, 1.66 ERA and a 1.01 whip. And 
By the way, all this is after he missed the first month of the season with a groin injury. He probably could have gotten up to back up to 50 saves or somewhere in that range if he had not missed that first month of the season. Now, he doesn't make the All-Star game this year, but does end up receiving some MVP votes. In the playoffs, he is fantastic again. He saves two games in the ALDS against Minnesota across four scoreless innings, but it's in the ALCS against Boston, where he has perhaps his greatest playoff performance of his career. He throws eight innings across four appearances with a win and a save and just one earned run given up. New York prevails in the series. This is a pretty famous contentious series. And Rivera is named the ALCS MVP. Now, while the Yankees would falter in the World Series against the Marlins, Rivera is good throwing four scoreless innings with a save. Now, while while this was a playoffs to remember for Rivera. We'll see the, the the script get flipped a little bit next year. But we head into 2004, and it's worth noting Rivera is now 34, and he's showing no signs of letting up. In a lot of ways, Rivera almost gets better as he hits his mid to late 30s in a lot of ways. And that's really the, a remarkable sign of someone who's always just constantly working on their craft and a great sign of just how dominant he really was now he becomes the 18th player in baseball history to reach 300 saves as he ends up leading the league for the third time in saves with 53 he puts up an outrageously good 1.94 era along with a 1.08 whip while giving up just three home runs across 78.1 innings pitched with 80 strikeouts he's named to the all-star game again after a after missing the game the year before and finishes third in the Cy Young voting that year while finishing ninth in the MVP voting. Now, it's worth noting that despite his age, he threw a career-high 74 appearances that year and led the league in games finished with 69. Now, in the playoffs, Rivera is great in the ALDS against the Twins. And while he doesn't save any games in a playoff series uh, for the first time since 1996, until then, every single series he had appeared in, he saved at least one game until this one. He does pick up a win in, in the series and tosses four scoreless innings. And then in the ALCS, really this is probably the greatest playoff series in Red Sox history in a lot of ways. And this is where they miraculously come back from being down three games to one to win the series. And in this case, Rivera is the unfortunate victim in that series being caught in the wake of Boston's excellence and curse breaking and all that good stuff as he blows two saves in the series, and then the Yankees are eliminated. 2005 starts out rough for Rivera, as he got off to a late start in spring training, thanks to some elbow bursitis, and he ends up blowing his first two save opportunities of the year, both coming against, you betcha, the Boston Red Sox. Now, somehow, Yankee fans found it appropriate to boo Mariano Rivera, which is insane to me. During this series, multiple reports talk about the crowd booing Rivera. And listen, I have I have many people close to me in my life who are Yankees fans. Yankees fans are fine people. They're great. They're all awesome, the people who I know. And I wouldn't disparage them. And honestly, by the way, for the record, almost all of the Yankees fans I know would never have booed Rivera. But holy cow, of all the people you could boo, I... I I, I don't understand how you could be so unappreciative as to boo Mariano Rivera while blowing meaningless games at the beginning of the season. It's just insane to me. Uh, it, it, just crazy. Now, Rivera would shut those fans up, though, 
by having the best season of his career, saving 43 games across 78.1 innings pitched while leading the league again in games finished with 67 to go along with a 7-4 record, an insane 1.38 ERA, and a .87 whip to go along with 80 strikeouts. Now, he's an all-star He's an all-star again, and he finishes the season second in the Cy Young voting and ninth in the MVP voting for the second year in a row. He also wins the Rollades Reliever of the Year Award, and at one point throughout the year, he had a streak of 23 consecutive scoreless innings, and he saved 31 games in a row without a blown save. So, think of it this way. After he blows those first two saves of the season, he only blows two more saves Throughout the rest of the year, out of 45 opportunities. That's just so good and so consistent. And to me, actually, by the way, that's not even the craziest uh, part of the season. To me, the craziest part of the entire season is he doesn't give up a single home run the entire year. Across the regular season, does not give up a home run. He So he pitched 78.1 innings without giving up a single home run at the major league level. That's crazy. This is up there as one of the greatest relief seasons of all time, easily. And so the Yankees make the playoffs in 2005, uh, of course, but they lose in the ALDS to the Angels, where Rivera makes two appearances, throwing three innings, giving up one run, and recording two saves. Moving on to 2006, this is another banner year for Rivera, as he records a sub-2 ERA for the fourth consecutive season with a 1.80 mark while throwing 75 innings pitched and saving 34 games to go along with 55 strikeouts and a .96 whip. He's an all-star again this year while recording his third all-star save, and late in the year he had actually become the fourth player ever to eclipse the 400 save mark, despite missing most of September with an elbow strain. In the playoffs, he would return, and he would make just one scoreless appearance as the Yanks would fall to Detroit in the ALDS. Now, it's interesting because obviously you, you always get nervous with pitchers and elbows. And especially, frankly, on sometimes a cutter can be a little tough, from what I understand, on that throwing motion. But maybe it's a little bit of that, a little bit of this, a little bit of wear and tear in general. But perhaps as an after, after effect of the elbow strain, Rivera struggles, at least for him, in 2007, saving 31 games across 71.1 innings pitched with a 3.15 ERA and a 1.21 whip. Now, for the record, this is the first time since he became a reliever he would put up an ERA over three, and it was the last time he would do, which is remarkable. There's no bad seasons. He strikes out 74 hitters as well, but is not named to the All-Star game that year. He does make three appearances for the Yankees in the ALDS against Cleveland, and while he's perfect in those innings, he does not record a save in them, and the Yanks lose the series. Now, Rivera wouldn't struggle for long, though, as in 2008, he comes storming back, saving 39 games, the 1.4 ERA across 70.2 innings pitched, along with 77 strikeouts and an absolutely insane 0.67 whip. 0.67 whip. That's crazy. He had more strikeouts that year than he did base runners allowed. That's how good he was. He only blew one save on the year. Saving, what, 39 games? That's how good he was. He's an all-star again that year, obviously, as he should have been. And he places fifth in the AL Cy Young voting, even though he probably should have finished a little bit higher than that, given how remarkable his season was. Now, I do want to mention, by the way, he's 38 at this point, right? 38, and he's somehow getting better. It's just crazy to me. Now, 
While Rivera is incredible, the Yankees actually struggled this season. For the first time in Rivera's career, the Yankees actually missed the playoffs. So now you worry, could that carry over into 2009? And no, the, this is the Yankees. They do not do two consecutive bad seasons in a row during this era. So Rivera is fantastic at 39 in 2009, throwing 66.1 innings with 44 saves and a 1.76 ERA and a .905 whip to go along with 72 strikeouts. He's an all-star for the second year in a row with his record fourth all-star save, and he finishes 14th in the MVP voting. In June of this year, he became the second pitcher ever to record 500 regular season saves, and at uh, one point in the second half, he's so dominant that he sets a career high for consecutive saves converted with 36 in a row. In the playoffs, the Yankees would make the last World Series run of Rivera's career. In the ALDS, he's perfect against the Twins, throwing 3.2 scores innings and saving a game. In the ALCS against the Angels, Rivera throws seven innings across the entire series, recording two saves while giving up just one run. And then finally, in the World Series against the Phillies, Mo Rivera is great again, throwing 5.1 scoreless innings with an additional two saves. The Yankees would prevail, making Rivera a four-time World Series champion. Now, go, uh, crossing over to 2010, it was pretty much business as usual for Rivera as he posts a 1.80 ERA with 33 saves across 60 innings pitched with a .83 whip and 45 strikeouts. Blown save in May snapped a 51 consecutive save streak for Rivera. And at one point, he even retired 24 consecutive batters. Now, again, he's 40 at this point, and he's still doing incredible things. He's named to the All-Star game, but lingering injuries keep him out of the game at the time. And in the playoffs, Rivera is perfect with 3.1 scores innings in the ALDS with two saves. And while the Yankees lose in the ALCS to Texas, Rivera is fantastic, earning another save and tossing three scores innings. Crossing over into 2011, it's basically a carbon copy of 2010 with 44 saves across 61.1 innings pitched with a 1.91 ERA and a .96 whip. He's an all-star. He finishes 8th in the Cy Young voting. He breaks the all-time record this year for games finished. And in September, he records a 602nd save to become the all-time leader in saves. He was also the first pitcher over 40 to save 40 games in a season. And the Yankees do make the playoffs for the final time in Rivera's career. And while they would fall to the Tigers in the ALDS, Rivera adds another 1.1 scoreless innings pitched to his postseason resume. Now, 2012 starts off normally, but after just nine appearances, a freak accident that occurs while shagging fly balls in the outfield causes Rivera to tear his ACL, which would cause him to miss the rest of the season. Now, there was a lot of concern that this would end Rivera's career. At his age, not many people come back from that kind of an injury, uh, and if they don't come back, good. We've looked at numerous pitchers across the years. I think if you talk about someone like Hideo Nomo, who we talked about a few episodes ago where injuries started to rack up he he suffers a pretty big injury and is never the same ever again and that's the fear here with Rivera and Rivera basically walks out and guarantees us no this is not how I go out I go out on my terms and he does it he works tirelessly to get one last season in at a high level before he retires and so before the 2013 season he announces this will be his final year 
And really, as farewell seasons go, it went pretty darn well. Rivera records 44 saves over 64 innings pitched with a 2.11 ERA and a 1.05 whip. He was named to his final All-Star game, and he was one of the original, like, he got the big farewell tour, right? Each respective stomp along the way, opposing teams showered Rivera with gifts and ceremonies, and these gifts ranged from a, I believe it was Cleveland, gave him a gold record of Andrew Sandman, because the Rock Hall's there. I forget who it was that gave him to him, but he got a rocking chair made of bats that he broke with his cutter. Just You could tell at the time... And you really can tell this whenever you see these things, but it felt like with both the sort of creativity of the gifts and also just like the, the way that the league went about it, you could tell that Mario Rivera meant a lot to baseball and meant a lot to the major leagues at the time, meant a lot to the players and, and the teams. And again, you think about this, this is a team honoring their opponent and a guy who dominated them for two decades. That's how important Mario Rivera was to the league and how beloved he was. It's really remarkable. Now, the Yankees don't make the playoffs, but... This season's, again, a 2.11 ERA, 44 saves. That's one heck of a swan song for Rivera at 43 years old. Again, I I talk about the end of a player's career all the time on this podcast. And it is incredibly rare that a player gets to go out on their terms the way they want to, right? And they get to say, no, I go out on top. And that's what Rivera did. And I mean, some players do, but they usually do it by cutting their careers short early. And that's not what Rivera really did. Rivera came back and said, no, I got one more in the tank. Let's go do this. And it's just, I think that's fitting for the greatest reliever ever. It just, it's a great, I can come up with all of the hyperbolic, poetic sort of descriptions of his tenacity or his his work ethic or all those things. And I think all I need to do is tell you that he tore his ACL at 42 and everyone thought he was done. And he said, no, I come back and I end it when I say I'm ending it and not my body. And I think that tells you everything you need to know about Mariano Rivera, right? Just an incredible career. I don't think there's an argument that he isn't the greatest reliever to have ever pitched in the game. That That is clear. You can't argue against that. He is the GOAT when it comes to relief pitching. And he's a Yankee icon. You can't talk about baseball and some of the biggest moments in baseball from that time period without talking about Mariano Rivera. You just can't. And that's his career. And that's Mariano Rivera. Looking at it here, I think it's high time we rank him because that's what we do here on this podcast. We rank these players on on our list of all-time players. And But before we do, let's take one last quick break here and then we'll be right back. Welcome back. Before we rank Rivera, I want to summarize his postseason excellence real quick because it's definitely going to factor into how we rank Rivera in a big way. Now, there is an argument that Mariano Rivera is the greatest postseason pitcher of all time. He threw 141 postseason innings in his career. That's 12th all-time amongst all pitchers. All pitchers, including starters, let alone relievers. Of those 11 pitchers above him, None of them have an ERA under 2.5, let alone coming close to Rivera's 0.70 ERA for his career in the postseason. That's crazy. That's incredible. Despite being a reliever, he's 20th all-time amongst all pitchers in the postseason with eight wins. And, oh, by the way, he only has one loss his entire postseason career. In case you're curious, that's fifth all-time in terms of, like, postseason win percentage. And... None of the four pitchers who uh, are above him in that win percentage have as many wins as he does. 
nor have they put together more than about 56 innings pitched in the postseason. So not even close, not even holding a candle to Rivera. He has 42 postseason saves, which is double the runner-up in Kenley Jansen. And, oh, let's not forget, he's a four-time World Series champion, along with winning an ALCS MVP and a World Series MVP. You heard me talk about the streaks that he had in terms of consecutive scores, innings pitched in the playoffs and consecutive saves in the playoffs. There just is certainly an argument that he deserves at least high consideration for the greatest postseason pitcher ever. If nothing else, the most consistent. But... In my opinion, I think you can call him the greatest postseason pitcher ever. It's just remarkable output in the postseason when it matters the most. Now, with that understood, let's try and rank Rivera. Now, before we do, let's visit the list and kind of refresh ourselves on the list itself. So, starting at number one, we have Sadaharu O uh, at number one. We have Satchel Page at number two. Josh Gibson at number three. Mickey Mantle at number four. Greg Maddox at number five. Mike Trout at number six. Ichiro Suzuki at number 7, George Brett at number 8, Adrian Beltre at number 9, Shohei Otani at number 10, Clayton Kershaw at number 11, Edgar Martinez at number 12, Sandy Koufax at 13, Tony Gwynn at 14, Hank Greenberg at 15, Kenny Lofton at number 20, to jump down a little bit, Jose Ramirez at number 30, to jump down to number uh, 35, we've got Freddie Freeman at number 40 is Dizzy Dean, at number 45 is Sean Green. At number 50 is Prince Fielder. At number 55 is Dottie Schrader. At number 60 is Robin Ventura. At number 65 is Mark Pryor. And at the end of the list here is James Paxton at number 66. So where does Mariano Rivera fit in here? Last week, we ranked Kenley Jansen at number 39 based on the idea that he's likely a top three reliever ever. So you have to imagine the best reliever ever goes above that. At the very least, we're talking, we're going to start at 39 here. I think based on the playoffs alone, even though Corey Kluber right ahead of uh, that has won two Cy Young awards, I think Rivera's longevity, his all-time status, kind of iconic status as a Yankee, that puts him ahead of Kluber, which pains me because that's probably my favorite pitcher of all time. I love Corey Kluber, but I think Rivera goes well ahead of him. Now, I think that same uh, sort of logic applies for Roberto Alomar and Mo Vaughn, despite Mo Vaughn's MVP. Now, also, that also, I think, applies to Freddie Freeman, who's right above that, despite his MVP. And I think the same goes for Home Run Baker, who is a bit of an innovator. If you go back to the Home Run Baker episode, he's the progenitor of, well, it's in his name, of the home run. But uh, while I've given him a lot of uh, credit for that, I, I don't think that ranks above Mariano Rivera. I think I go past Jose Altuve. You never know, that might change depending on what Altuve does over the rest of his career. But for now, I think Rivera is a more iconic player than Jose Altuve. And then we come to Fred McGriff, which is over at, let's see, we're looking at now Fred McGriff at number 31. This is a tougher one. Fred McGriff is a Hall of Famer. He's at 493 home runs. But actually, here's the thing. Over his career, McGriff has actually put up less war then Rivera. So, you throw in the playoffs, and I'm going to put Rivera in front of him. Now, right ahead of that is Jose Ramirez, and I think Jose Ramirez will eventually surpass Rivera if he ends up making it to the Hall of Fame, but for now, he's behind him, right? And same for Ryan Sandberg, who doesn't have nearly the playoff excellence either. So, really, it comes down to Bryce Harper or Mariano Rivera, and right now, we have Bryce Harper there at 28, and I think this is where I draw the line. Harper has two MVPs 
and he has a Rookie of the Year award. He's playing at a harder position. He's a storied sort of a phenom player. He's got tons of playoff excellence. Heck, he just came back about three months early from Tommy John surgery, which is insane uh, that he's playing baseball already again. It just blows my mind. So I think... And if you go back and listen to the episode he did on Harper, it was like a month ago or a little over that. I think it's clear that Bryce Harper is an essential character to telling the story of baseball, just like Mariano Rivera is. Rivera doesn't quite get the, the leap up from that as he has over a couple players. So I, th- I think, honestly, this is actually the perfect spot for him. Especially, and I think for a reliever, he's throwing less innings, playing less games, doing all that stuff. I think this is a pretty good showing for him and is a testament to what he means as a Yankee and what he means to baseball is essentially the definition of the closer position and the greatest ever at his position. I think that's a pretty respectable spot. If you disagree with me, please let me know. You can easily reach out to me on Twitter. That's I'll give out the information at the end, but that's at Daniel J. Port. Let me know if you think that he should go higher than that. I, I totally get it. But I think uh, putting him ahead of Bryce Harper just doesn't sit right for me right now. So for now, that actually puts him between Harper and Ryan Sandberg as the new number 29 on our list here. That is our episode. Thank you so much for joining us. Like I said, if you disagree with that ranking, or if you just want to chat baseball, or if you have an idea for a player you'd like me to cover, please don't hesitate to reach out to me. Again, that's at Daniel J. Port at Twitter. You can also reach the podcast at LB Legacies at on Twitter. And you can always email the podcast at longballlegacies at gmail.com as well. If you have a suggestion or a player you'd like us to cover or something along those lines, please don't hesitate. I'd love uh, any suggestions or any thoughts you might have. I haven't decided who we're going to cover next week quite yet. It's going to be another reliever. And I'm not sure I actually want to do Trevor Hoffman quite yet, just because it's kind of not redundant with this one, but he's the other, he's number two on the list. And maybe want to try and find a fun reliever, maybe someone who means a little more to me, like a Doug Jones that was, was my favorite closer growing up, or talk about maybe like a Goose Gossage or John Smoltz who made the shift from pitching to relieving. I'm still toying around with who's going to be the third part of this reliever series. But again, if you have a suggestion of someone you'd like to do, hit me up. Let me know. I'd love to to, to dive in and take a look at some other players. With that, I'm going to sign off. I say enjoy the rest of your Friday. Enjoy your weekend. I get out to baseball. It sounds like it's going to be a beautiful weekend. At least it's going to be that way here in Denver. So I'm certainly going to get out and try and catch some baseball. But uh, until then, I shall see you next week here Friday. This is Long Ball Legacies on the Pitcherless Podcast Network. And enjoy uh, the rest of your day.